Coming up next on the Varsity Journal Podcast. It's SoundCloud, the site where little dweeb-ass kids go to post their shitty rap music. So joining me on the show today is Tyler Williams from SB Nation. By the way, this Super Bowl is taking place in Atlanta. So you're telling me that you couldn't find some rappers who would be a little more appropriate for the theme of this Super Bowl? I don't even watch football. I just watch this Super Bowl because it's like a big show, which is literally every girl ever. So my next guest on the show is Akash Anavarathan. Uh, he is a contributing writer on SB Nation's blog, Niner Nation. Um, and this was a fun one for me, man, because, you know, we're, we're both 49er fans and I really didn't have to do much to prepare for this interview at all. While we have to sit back and watch Adam Levine try and get down with these young rappers. What's up, everybody? This is episode six of the Varsity Journal. I am your host, Ryan Poirier. Uh, You might notice a few small changes to the podcast. Um, We're on a new website, and yeah, we got some new intro music for you. Um, Out with the old and in with the new, as they say. So so we've got Sam Cooke opening up this podcast, baby. Um, uh, I'm currently hosting a show while everyone else is sleeping, but I I don't care because this is my podcast. Uh, I, I had a few drinks last night, too. And I did a couple of dumb things, as drunk people typically do, but the drunkest thing that I did was, you know those ads that always pop up asking you to update your computer? I actually accepted that, and I got all of those updated. And um, so yeah, it was actually, it was a pretty productive night, I guess. Um, Anyways, I just wanted to say something real quick. Fuck SoundCloud, for real. Uh, The reason that I switched over to Anchor FM is because SoundCloud wanted to charge me premium prices because apparently, after five hours of uploads, you have to start paying. Which is insane because it's SoundCloud, the site where little dweeb-ass kids go to post their shitty rap music. So I I found Anchor FM and this site fucking rocks. Because not only does it look way more slick and aesthetically pleasing, there's no ads on the side, um, you can't see anyone else's shit while you're listening to my podcast, my podcast, Um, there's tons of more features on here. Uh, And I would strongly recommend that if you or anyone you know is starting up a podcast, then use this site, for real. Um, One of the coolest features is... I didn't have to do a damn thing, and all of my podcasts are now on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and a bunch more things, and for real, I didn't have to do anything. Uh, I'll literally just be chilling, and I'll get a random email, and it's from Anchor FM, because I've been getting these emails like every other day, and they'll be like, hey, your podcast is now on Google Radio. Oh, more exposure, and I didn't have to do any of the legwork. Okay, sign me up. Um, so yeah, I, I haven't even I haven't even looked at these other platforms yet, but I will provide the link on this podcast to Spotify, iTunes, and all of that other shit. Um, and what did SoundCloud ever do for me? 
absolutely nothing. And here's the best part. Not only do I have unlimited uploads on Anchor FM, but it's 100% free. And the content that they provide, I probably would have paid for it anyway because, um, you know, what they're doing. I, I don't have to do any work, and they're putting all my stuff on on different platforms. So, fuck you, SoundCloud. Um, but yeah, this is a sports podcast, though, so let's, let's get into that. I'm pretty pumped up today because today is Saturday, and we have a full slate of college football games on today, and it's the fourth week, which means that the games are only getting better. Texas A&M is playing number one ranked Alabama. Um, Jimbo Fisher, who is now the head coach at Texas A&M, is going to try and beat Nick Saban for what seems like the 100th times uh, time doing that. He used to be the coach of, of Florida State, and it always just seemed like he could never get over beating Alabama. Um, since his tenure as offensive coordinator at LSU, where Nick Saban was the head coach, um, Jimbo Fisher, he's, he's been trying to beat Nick Saban, and it just seems like the Crimson Tide are, uh, are Jimbo Fisher's kryptonite. Um, here's a crazy stat for you. Uh, against his former coaches, Nick Saban is 10-0. and which is absolutely insane. And to me, this stat just kind of subtly says, don't, don't cross Nick Saban. Because if you're having success with him and you're having success at Alabama, don't try and do it on your own because you can't. So I'm looking forward to that game today. Uh, on the podcast today, I have writer Tyler Williams on the show who is a contributing writer to SB Nation's SEC blog. Um, we get into that game and some other things that are going on in the SEC and around college football today. So here is that interview. So joining me on the show today is Tyler Williams from SB Nation. Uh, Tyler, I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't start off the show by talking about what happened last night. Uh, we had two of... College's best from last year go head-to-head, and uh, you being a college football fan, obviously, I, I, I would assume that you watched a lot of these guys uh, last year. Uh, you know, in the game last night, Baker Mayfield came in into the game late, and uh, he did everything that we saw him do at Oklahoma last year. Do you think that this guy's going to be, the, you know, the next big thing in, in the NFL this year? Uh, I struggle with thinking, I'm struggling with going off that he's going to be the next big thing, but um, I always thought that Baker Mayfield was one of, if not, it was either one or two in, of the quarterbacks coming out, um, in, like in the way I ranked it. So I always thought that he should be starting. I'm glad that he is kind of starting now and kind of got to show that I think that the Browns are better off with him at the helm. And um, I think he's, He's just going to really open up the offense. I think the Browns are going to be a lot better team than I think all of us might have predicted. Are you disappointed in what you saw from Sam Darnold, or do you think that uh, Sam Darnold has a lot more room to improve this season? Um, yeah, I'm not really disappointed. I think that's just kind of what Sam, Sam Darnold's form is. just kind of what Sam Darnold is. Like, I mean, I always I always thought that he was going to be a bit of a developmental project because he was a bit of a boomer bust guy back at USC. Yeah. People didn't like to label him that, but like 
he, he threw a lot of turnovers. He's very, he's like the young, I think he's like the youngest quarterback ever drafted. Mm-hmm. And if not, he's like insanely young. I mean, like, and he got drafted to the Jets who are not a great team in a position to win at the very moment. So, like, I'm not really, I'm not discouraged by it. Um, but it, it's just kind of part of the course what I thought it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we're going to talk SEC football today, but I, I just felt like we should have opened up with that a little bit. Uh, and uh, we finally we finally got some uh, exciting SEC matchups uh, going on uh, tomorrow. Um, what matchups are you most excited about? Well, um, I'm I'm probably I'm very excited obviously for Texas and Alabama, um, but I mean it, that's kind of just like a that's more of a first quarter first half game. Um, but the, the game that I'm actually most excited about is probably uh, Mississippi State at Kentucky. Because uh, both teams are undefeated, Kentucky finally got the, uh, the monkey off their back with defeating Florida and ending their 31-year losing streak, and now they get to host uh, Mississippi State, which is a highly ranked team that we all think is good. But I, I mean, I have a bit of reservations just because, well, they haven't really played anybody, and they did play Kansas State, but it doesn't look like Kansas State is that good. I, I'm just I'm interested. That's the game that's most interesting to me because whatever team wins, I'm going to have a very high opinion of going forward for what they can do. You're a Florida guy, aren't you? Uh, did I read that you're I, act, that you actually attend Florida? I am. Yes, I am a Florida guy. Yeah. Um, I am a student at the University of Florida, so uh, try not to be biased. A little biased, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but. Um, so in, in that regard, yes, I am. I'm also looking forward to Florida, Tennessee. Um, that game is interesting to me because I have like zero read on it. Mm. I mean, I I've watched the last three games for Florida, and I don't really have I don't really know what to do with the information that's been presented. Florida dominated to lower level opponents um, at home, but then they got run off the field uh, at their own home. Um, against an SEC opponent in Kentucky. And again, part of the reason I'm interested in the Mississippi State-Kentucky game is I want to see how good Kentucky actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, was that just a one-time thing, or that can they, is, that, is this really just a really good Kentucky game? Um, but on top of that, like, with Tennessee, uh, Tennessee's taking care of business in the last two games. I've not really got to watch much of them, but I, I was a little concerned in the West Virginia game to open that they didn't like of course they, they they gave up a bajillion points because that's what Greer and that offense. But I was a little just I was a little worried that they they weren't really able to score at all, mm-hmm. move the ball as much, and against a defense that I don't very hold in very, in very high regard in West Virginia. So really, I failed to have a read on this game. It's a night game for the first time in a while. Um, but the reason I think this one's interesting is just because it's it's kind of a jumping off platform for whatever coach wins. Both coaches kind of need this win. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I do want to get back into to Alabama because um, there's there's so many good storylines heading into the Alabama Texas A and M game, and one of those things is Nick Saban being ten and zero against former assistant coaches, and uh, you know Jimbo Fisher. He's been trying to for a long time to get one over Alabama. What's your prediction for this game? I think this game. So my prediction with this game is that. Um, I really, I mean, I'm going to predict Alabama to win, but that's the boring part, um, just because nothing I've seen should 
dissuade me from that. But I'm actually, I think the way it's going to go, it's actually going to be really close to the first half. Um, I, this is the this is the best defense that Alabama's faced thus far. I, we don't know exactly how good it is, but Tua Tagovailoa has not been really really challenged at all, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, with the defenses that he's faced, so this is the first defense that's going to be able to get in his face a little bit. That's going to be able to step in front of some passes, bat them down. Um, Alabama's got a loaded offense, but I just I want to see what I want to see what Tua is like with pressure in his face, and that's why I think it'll be close. It's the first time he's going to have to really deal with that. So, I mean, and I think I think I've been so surprised with what Kellen Mullen, what Jim Fish has done to Kellen Mullen. Mm-hmm. I did not see this coming. Um, he was a talented guy last year, but I mean, he couldn't hit the broad side of a barn passing the ball, <laughs> and now he's throwing for like 400 plus yards. And that's amazing. That is just an amazing step in development. So I think Kellen Mullen's uh, athletic ability. And just the, his improvement is going to keep them in the game for the first half. But texting them is not the level of depth um, that they need to be to compete with Alabama. I think at that level, Jimbo Fisher is going to get them there. I feel very strongly that Jimbo Fisher is going to get Nick Saban at some point. He's going to play him every year for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going he's to get him at some point. But I don't think it's, I just don't think texting them is Yeah, I think they'll play each other at least for the next 10 years because I think that that's what's on Jimbo Fisher's contract. I think he'd send a 10-year contract, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, yeah, as long as Nick Saban's still in Alabama before he retires. Yeah. You mentioned uh, that this is the first uh, big challenge that uh, Tuo Tagavolia, uh, I do not know how to say this guy's name, I. Uh, you know, but we we saw him shine last year against um, against Georgia, obviously in the national championship game. And uh, do you think that you know this is the kind of challenge that he needs to to put on this Heisman like performance? I think so. Um, one thing about the Georgia game last year is that like Georgia players even came out and said it that they're not prepared for it. So I can't like it, it's tough to evaluate how he breaks down that defense because they are trying to figure him out at the same time. But I think, yeah, I think he needs, I think we all need to see him in, in this kind of, perform in this kind of level. Because as great as he's been, and he's been fantastic in the first three games, he's not played a good defense. And I don't, it's like we, we fell into the same kind of trap two years ago with Jalen Hurts. Where Jalen Hurts was just amazing and all-world and then later in the season at Charlotte, that if you can get in his face, you can cause pressure and force him to throw, you can you can shut down the offense a little bit. That, and then I don't feel like that's going to be to his weakness, but I think that he needs to go out and prove against a good defense, a well-coached defense, that, that he can get it done. And that's just really going to propel the season for him. I don't know if he can win the Heisman, because I feel it. I got the feeling Alabama's going to blow out teams so much that he's not going to have the stats. Yeah, he's just going to sit after a quarter or two, eh? That's yeah. what he did last week uh, against Ole Miss. Um, Texas A&M lost a damn close game uh, a couple weeks ago against Clemson. And going into this game, Alabama's favored 23.5 points. Do you think Texas A&M are being overlooked a little bit? I think a little bit. Um, I think 23.5 is a 
just a huge spread to me. Um, and now they are on the road. But, like, that would just cause... I, I feel like Texas A&M can keep it closer than that. The thing with the game against Clemson that I struggle with is that Clemson, as a team, has a habit of letting letting opponents stay in games longer than Alabama does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson doesn't necessarily always, like, flip the, the kill switch um, as soon as Alabama does. And more, but more than that, like, Texas a, that, that game just proved Texas A&M a good team. Um, but when they're not at home, I don't expect it to be as easy. They're against, uh, I, I would think, a better team. But I think that Texas A&M can definitely keep it closer than 23 points. I was looking at uh, the spreads for some of these games, and I was shocked at, at how high some of these predictions are. Ole Miss, who got thumped uh, last week, they're favored 28.5 over Kent State. Georgia is favored 14.5 over Mizzou. And I thought Missouri is supposed to be one of the best teams in the nation. And, you know, they have Drew Locke and everything. If I'm gambling tomorrow, do I at least take uh, Missouri to cover that spread? So, um, hate to rain on the tree, but I actually, I wouldn't. No? I, I start, I'm interested in that game, in the Missouri-Georgia uh, game, because of all the teams in the SEC Missouri was the only team that could really move the ball on Georgia last year. In their game, they went in, I believe, to half and tied 21 apiece. And then Georgia came out and just stumped them. Mm. So what I struggle with is it is at home but for Missouri, so that is good. And Missouri is quietly 3-0. But this week, they gave up 600-plus yards of total offense with Which is an offensive team, so I don't want to take that away from them. But Missouri's defense is not much improved from last year. Um, and as great as Drew is, I think that uh, Georgia could probably win this game if they don't even throw the ball. That's how good they're running. That's how good their rushing attack is, and mm-hmm. they keep and they they keep Drew Lock off the field. And what so I, just think, I just think that Missouri's defense is going is going to lose them this game. Yeah. What uh, What about that Ole Miss game? Ole Miss lost sixty two to seven last week. Can I take Kent State to cover a 29-point spread? That's interesting. I, I don't think Kent, Kent State's not very good, but Ole Miss has not beaten an opponent. They're, they're 2-1. They've not beaten an opponent by, I think, 29, more than 29 points. I could be wrong about that. Um, but I, I, think you could, I think you could trust Kent State because... I think, sorry, I think they put up 74 over Southern Illinois or something couple weeks ago? Okay. I could be wrong about that. So, yeah, I know the Southern Illinois game, they, they, they scored like 70, but they, they let them score like 40 or something. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, like, Ole Miss is going to win, but I I, did, I think I would take Kent State to cover that. Yeah. Um, thanks, Tyler, for joining the show today. I actually wanted to ask you a couple things, uh, just a couple more things. You... So you're at Florida. What's what's the atmosphere like uh, in the swamp? What's it like going to one of those games? Um, going to the game, going going to the game in the swamp is it's just an it's an amazing experience in my opinion. I've been to some other stadiums, um, not as tra- well traveled as I'd like to be, but I think what helps really is that it's a very vertically built stadium, so the sound is funneled down. Yeah, and. The crowd, the crowd gets really is, is really into it. We got we got really lucky um, with the timing. The first two games this year, both were night games. So 
people really showed out. But it's it's an absolutely amazing environment. Um, I think what helps a lot for me is that um, there's a lot of traditions around the game that make it kind of a one one of a kind atmosphere. And it's really loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's very fun. Um, I love going to games there. Um, yeah, it's it's an excellent environment. Um, it's hot though. Yeah. We're not used to that up in Canada, man. We got, like, we'll have, like, a thousand people show up to a university football game, and uh, if, you're, if you're on the road that uh, there's not really an effect, you don't really have that crowd effect where you're, you're, you're having 95,000 people scream at you. Yeah, it's, it's a big, that's a big thing um, at the Swamp, it's, so, like, for example, um, in the Kentucky game, uh, there was there was the call, there was the pressure call that the field goal. It looked like it went in, but the best call that was missed. Mm. And if you can imagine, about eighty to 90,000 people are livid at these refs. Yeah. And it, it basically got the, that next drive where Florida was on defense, it basically helped them get off the field. Jeez. Um, that's the kind of effect that it can have. That's one of the more dramatic examples. But I think that um, that's one of the interesting things about like college football. At, like I mean, being going to college football games at a major university is kind of the effect that the fans can have on the game. Because I've been to several games where the fans kind of, in a way, help. And then there's games where I've watched Florida on the road where the opposing fan, the opposing team's fans just take Florida out of it. You probably. Um, I was going to say, as a ref, that's probably the last job you'd want to have. Wait, say that again? As, as a ref in NCAA football, that might be the last job I would ever want to have, especially at the Swamp, you know, where you're having all these fans scream at you. Yeah, it just seems like being a referee just feels like a job where no matter what you do, people will get pissed off at you. Yeah. So I, don't, I would not want that. No. Um, I... Uh, I got I got one more, and I, I just want your opinion on this. I kind of fell in love with uh, the running back at Florida, uh, Lamichael Perrine, and I don't really remember what it was. It was I was betting on some games last year, and he just went off. He scored like three touchdowns in a game. I I've, I haven't really researched this guy or anything like that. W- what do you see in Lamichael Perrine? Do you ever do you see this guy maybe ever uh, getting into the NFL or something? I think he could get into the NFL. I'm a big fan of him. I'm yeah. a big fan of Mike Pirine. Um, he, Pirine, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wears, yeah, he wears number 22 in honor of Emmett Smith, so that's a, that's a bump. Um, but, yeah, so Michael Pirine, to me, the reason that I, I really like him, um, he's one of the most, he's probably the most complete running back on the roster. Um, he's a good runner, but he can also catch. Um, he's the last three years, he's really he's really built up his body. He came in at a, just a completely different body shape. But he's the most, like, excuse the cliche, but he's the most workman, workmanlike of the running backs. He just he just grinds out yards, and because of that, he kind of became even through all the injuries and the terrible season for that last year, he kind of became the guy. And with the new coaching staff, they're trying to figure out who the guy is. And I I've been I've been championing that he should be the starter because I think that he offers the most from. Uh, knowledge of the playbook, uh, versatility, like, you don't have to take him out of game for pass protection. 
for running or for passing the ball. Um, he can do all of those things. And I think he's the best at doing all of those things. So I think he could definitely carve away in the NFL. He's not going to be a high draft pick, but if he can, especially with now Mullen putting an emphasis on learning special teams, if he, if he can just, you know, late, late round draft pick, kind of get in a rotational role, um, he could carve a place out for himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he helped me uh, win some money last year. So if he ever does get into the NFL, I'm, I think I'm gonna get his jersey. I hope he goes to the Niners. We'll do, I'll, I'll be doing the same. Yeah, <laughs> he's cousins also with Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj Ryan. Yeah. yeah, right? Is that true? They're cousins. They are. They are. They are related. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, when he when he was first recruited, I was I was a little confused, um, and then yeah, I found that out. So yeah, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, thanks, Tyler. Um, this was fun today, man. And uh, thanks Thank for waking up early to do this. Yeah, I'd love to come back on again. It's very fun. So there is my interview with Tyler Williams. Uh, yeah, man, a- another guy who knows his shit. Knows too damn much for me, that's for sure. But uh, it's good having these guys on. It mo- motivates me to learn a little bit more about my craft. Um so yeah, the next thing that I want to talk about today, though, is Maroon 5 will be performing at the Super Bowl. Whose fucking decision was this? Because this has to be the worst call of all time. This is football. Play some fucking tough guy music. And by the way, this Super Bowl is taking place in Atlanta. So you're telling me that you couldn't find some rappers who would be a little more appropriate for the theme of this Super Bowl? There's about 50 rappers right now who are popping that are from Atlanta. Get fucking Migos up there. Why the hell would your alternative decision be to get fucking Maroon fucking five pussy ass boy band performing at the Super Bowl that is in Atlanta. This is unbelievable to me. And I know that this is a long, long time away, but come on, man. If my 49ers make it to the Super Bowl, and then I'm all jacked up about this game, and fucking Maroon 5 is on stage? That's going to bring me way the fuck down. Five years ago, the last time that my 49ers were in the Super Bowl... Fucking Beyonce was performing, and she brought out Destiny's Child, and Beyonce is a badass, and she fired me up after her performance. Um, that's Maroon Five isn't gonna fire anybody up to get out there and play some football, and to crack heads. And you already know how annoying Maroon Five is gonna be. They they probably will bring out you know, one of these hard-ass Atlanta rappers, but I don't want to see them trying to be cool and pulling up, you know, Gucci Mane or Lil Yachty on stage, you know, while we have to sit back and watch Adam Levine try and get down with these young rappers and all these teenage girls are going to be screaming for Adam Levine to take his shirt off. I don't even watch football. I just watch the Super Bowl because it's like a big show, which is literally every girl ever. And when I told my girlfriend about this, she 
when I told her, I said, yeah, Maroon, Maroon 5 is, is going to be performing at the Super Bowl. This is her response. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if my 49ers will make the Super Bowl, but if they do, I'm not watching the fucking halftime show. Um, yeah, they, they've got a long way to go, though. Um, they're going to they're gonna be playing the Chiefs tomorrow, and uh, that Patrick Mahomes kid is a motherfucker, man. And I fully expect this game to be a shootout. I'm pulling for my man Jimmy G, but you know I, I think this is the, exactly the kind of game that uh, that Jimmy G needs to shine. And this is why the 49ers brought him in, so he could showcase his stuff in these kind of games. So my next guest on the show is Akash Anavarathan. Uh, he is a contributing writer on SB Nation's blog, Niner Nation. Um, and this was a fun one for me, man, because, you know, we're, we're both 49er fans and I really didn't have to do much to prepare for this interview at all. Um, so joining me now is Akash Anavarathan from SB Nation. Uh, you're a contributing writer with uh, Niners Nation. Um, let's just get this out of the way, I guess, first. Uh, we already talked about this. We're both big uh, 49ers fans. Um and as important it is for us to be unbiased, I think that it's fair that I make note of that before the interview begins. Because uh, you know what? We might accidentally use the word we. But um, yeah, let, let, let's just try and say team or the Niners or, or whatever. Um, first question, uh, one word, how would you describe the Niners' defense thus far? First off, before we get into the interview, appreciate you for having me on, Ryan. Uh, always love, love talking 49ers football. Absolutely, man. Uh, absolutely. Anyone. So uh, I appreciate that. Uh, and now to answer your question, uh, one word through two weeks, how I describe the 49ers defense is tolerable. Okay. Um, I, I think they've had their moments. Uh, they have their solid players from DeForest Buckner to Fred Warner to Richard Sherman. I think they've had their misses. I think the pass rush has been weak. Uh, I think Akella Witherspoon had a poor game last week. Um, they've been rotating the linebacker spot next to Fred Warner. Um, and they had a decent week uh, against Minnesota. Uh, wasn't so great against Detroit. So I think through two weeks they've been tolerable. Uh, the return of Ruben Foster should help with that. Um, and they're playing a high-powered offense on Sunday, so... Uh, I commend you for saying that uh, Akella Witherspoon was poor because I there's another there's a couple choice words that I would have used and poor wasn't one of them. Uh, I think through the first two games he's been absolutely fucking brutal. Um, <laughs> but uh, let, let's move on to what you just mentioned. Uh, this is obviously the return of Reuben Foster. Let's let's be honest. How important is he to this defense? Uh, extremely important. His value uh, could not be put into words, I think. Uh, he's this defense is either the best or the second best player uh, between him and Buckner. Uh, between him and Fred Warner, they're going to have two of the most athletic linebackers in the entire league. Uh, Warner's currently third uh, in tackles in the entire NFL and with the return of Foster, I think both of them will be right there in the top five to ten. Uh, they're going to be banning sideline to sideline. Uh, in my head, I'm envisioning uh, a Patrick Willis 
uh, Navarro Bowman or a Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis kind of a combination. Um, obviously, Fred Warner is going to continue being the Mike linebacker. I think Ruben Foster is going to come back and be the well. They should be the starting pair. Uh, Kyle Shanahan wouldn't admit to it, but I think that's how they should play it. Um, Shanahan mentioned in his press conference earlier this week that Foster looks great. He's been working out these last two weeks, um, and it's just going to be great to have him. Uh, it's always great when the team's able to add talent uh, like this, so they should be ready to roll. What about this? Um, let's not manage expectations too high. I would say... Um, I'd say Patrick Willis and Takeo Spikes. How about that combo? <laughs> all right, all right. We, we can go with that combo. All right. Yeah, uh, get, get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, lot of, you know, a lot of people, do. Keep, they keep talking about foster this, foster that. I think that if Jaquiski Tart is out this Sunday, then the Niners are going to be in trouble. And whether Foster comes back or not, I think, um, you know, if, if you don't have Jaquiski Tart back there, then... Uh, the, the Niners are going to be in big trouble. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel that Tart is just important to the to this lineup as as Ruben Foster is? Absolutely. So as you know, 49ers play the single high system where Adrian Colbert is that single high safety. Jaquaski uh, Tart typically lines up in the box. Uh, he's probably one of the two or three best box safeties. Uh, he plays that Dion uh, Buchanan role for the defense. Um, and he's un- he's underrated, I think, in my opinion. Uh, many people don't, many people across the league don't really know what his true value is, and I think he's really important to the defense. Um, I think he's one of the two players that are questionable, if I'm not mistaken, for this game. Um, when I looked at the injury report earlier today, um, so his his injury is going to be a game time decision, but he'll be important, um, just like Foster's return is critical for the team. I already kind of mentioned this to you, but the over-under in this game, I think, is going to be huge. Uh, you know, whether we have Foster and Tart both in the lineup, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that much uh, in stopping this game from turning into a shootout. Um, at minimum, how many touchdowns is Mahomes going to run up on this game? Yeah, that's a tough question to answer because... Uh Mahomes has been spectacular these past couple weeks. I just did a preview of the Chiefs' offense for Niner Nation uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, he's got 10 touchdowns through the first two weeks, 10 passing touchdowns through the first two weeks. Leads the league. Uh, their offense puts up uh, 40 points a game, which again leads the league. Uh, they average like 10 and a half yards in the 10th, uh, which is like second right behind Tampa Bay. Uh, they're fantastic. They've got... Uh, Weapons from Tyreek Hill to Travis Kelsey to Ben Watkins to Chris Conley to Kareem Hunt. Uh, they're just loaded on offense. And uh, they've got Andy Reid, who's pushing all the buttons, and he's the, the master puppeteer, uh, pulling all the right strings. And so I think they could uh, easily hit that 40 mark. Uh, it's going to come down to can the 49ers offense just stay on the field to give the defense enough of a break? Um, I don't think the 49ers have the, the talent uh, on defense to keep up with all those weapons that the Chiefs have. I have a little bit of a... I, I have a theory, okay? And you, tell me what you think about this theory. Uh, I might be right, I might be wrong. But So Patrick Mahomes, we, we've seen two games from him. And this might actually be why I'm not... I might not even start him this, this week in my fantasy team. Because I think... The more games Patrick Mahomes has, the more film 
other other teams have access to uh, re- reviewing that film. Um, so I think I think this week is actually in the Niners' advantage because they're going to be able to study some film on on him. What do you think about that? Yeah, obviously with any young quarterback, uh, the more games you get to see tape on that player, uh, the more you're able to find patterns and scheme up a defense uh, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I just think that through two weeks, Mahomes has been absolutely spectacular. You're right. Is he going to throw for six touchdowns this week? Probably not. But I think he's still going to have a solid game. Uh, at least I hope he does. He's on my fantasy team, so... Yeah, 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 I got him too. Um, if if Akella if Akella Witherspoon is covering Tyree Kill, uh, he he might do another uh, six touchdown game. I don't know. If Akella Witherspoon, hopefully it's Akella Witherspoon is on Tyree Kill. Uh, I would not want Richard Sherman on Tyree Kill. We're gonna get another uh, uh, another clip from training camp where uh, like Goodwin burned. Sherman and it was like played over and over again. Yeah, we're gonna get like a replay of that if uh, Sherman covering Hill. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, there's still a high chance. There's a high probability that this game gets out of hand at some point. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is actually poised for this exact situation? And do you think that he can go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes? Absolutely. So just as much as I praise the Chiefs' offense for being potent and high powered and all those things. Their defense is just that. Uh, I think they're ranked 29th in the NFL. Uh, they lost talent. They lost Marcus Peters in the offseason. Um, and they just haven't been the same unit. Um, so, like you mentioned, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, I think you mentioned the over-under being somewhere near 75. I no, no, no. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> I don't think it actually is, but it should be. Okay, I hope it's not that high. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it'll be a shootout. Um, and I think Jimmy's absolutely poised for that type of game. Uh, him and Shanahan uh, should be able to out-scheme the, the Chiefs' defense, and they should be able to score uh, toe-for-toe. Uh, the biggest thing will be uh, the health of Marquise Goodwin. Uh, obviously, he didn't play last week. Uh, he's been hurt with that side bruise. I think he's questionable when I check the injury report. Uh, so his health will be key. Uh, the last couple weeks, he's just He's been the key to that offense. Him, t- him being able to take the top off the defense has been opening things up underneath for the likes of Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis and George Kittle and uh, opening things up for uh, Garoppolo to make easy throws. And so if he's able to play, I'm more optimistic. Uh, if he's out, then uh, the 49ers' chances just get that much lower. One of the biggest disappointments thus far is the uh, is the Niners in the red zone. They've they haven't established an official red zone back, and Jimmy's been struggling to find a target that he can that he can trust once he gets down there. What do you yep. think needs to change for the Niners to produce more in the red zone? Yeah, I mentioned this in the preseason. Actually, um, one of their their sneaky big problems uh, coming into the season was not having a red zone target. Teams typically they'll have a big wide receiver, a huge tight end, or someone that once you get into the red zone, the ball's going to that player. And the Niners just don't have that guy. If you look at all their wide receivers, I think Pierre Garcon's like the tallest, and he's like six foot, maybe six foot one. Uh, their other skill guys, from Pettis to Richie James to Marquise Goodwin, they're all five ten, five nine, mm. uh, not very big guys who are just going to go catch it 
in the in the end zone when you know when the field shrinks. Uh, I think their best red zone receiver is probably George Kittle, um, but it's unfair for us to expect George Kittle to go make every play in the red zone. And so I think that's where their struggles have been coming from. Uh, imagine if uh, Garoppolo had someone like. Uh, Gronkowski or Julio Jones or somebody could just go toss the ball up to and say, hey, go get it. And, uh, that would really improve the red zone offense because they, they've been pretty efficient moving the ball between the 20s. It's really once they get into the 20s is when they start to struggle. Um, um in, in yeah. that in that response that you just gave me, I, th- I think you just teed up my next question perfectly. Uh, how disappointed were you that the Niners didn't pursue Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Um, so there's two sides to this. Uh, Josh Gordon, I think, only played like 11 games in the last few seasons. Uh, when healthy, uh, he's an absolute monster. Uh, he'd be the perfect addition to this offense as a number one wide receiver. His athleticism, his route running ability, his uh, his skill would be the perfect complement to Garoppolo. The problem is all the off-field stuff. Is the uh, is the risk that you'd be taking when bringing that type of a player into your locker room. Um, and you have, to out, you have to weigh those risks, right? And considering that he's probably one drug bust from being suspended for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got this ongoing hamstring issue. Uh, I, I didn't feel that it was the right move at the right time for this team. Um, I didn't think that bringing in Gordon was going to put this team over the top immediately. So I figured it was okay. Um, and then finding with New England, fine. New England's got a uh, solid organization system. And if, if he's going to succeed anywhere, it's probably going to be there. Well, I, I just thought with your your, your theory, because I, I didn't even think about this before, but what you said about the height and the fact that you're right, we don't have any any tall receivers. I don't know how tall Josh Gordon is, but he's a beast down there. And I don't, I don't think it really matters how, how tall he actually is, but you're right, we don't have any... We don't have any physical wide receivers, and that's exactly what we're missing. What about this? What about uh, Des Bryant, or do you think his contract is a little too high? No, I think I think Des Bryant on the field would be a solid fit. I think mm-hmm. uh, maybe, the, maybe the Des Bryant of a couple years ago, but if he's able to contribute in the red zone, like maybe a Randy Moss was in 2012-2013, that, that would be a good fit. Uh, the problem is, again, it's the off-the-field stuff that comes with Des Bryant. It's the, the constant pain in the ass uh, in, inside the locker room, right? It's arguing with the coaches. It's arguing with the quarterback. It's being a diva. It's all that kind of stuff that comes with Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, do you really want to ruin the, the tightness of your locker room by bringing in someone like that? That's the that's the big question, right? Either with Gordon or Des Bryant or anyone uh, that has like character issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I'm going to put this bluntly. Do you think that it is time for Alfred Morris to get the hell out and uh, the Niners start, you know, letting Matt Breida become that number one guy and and not only being that number one guy, but use him like a number one guy, like like how other number one running backs are used? Do you think that Matt Breida needs to have that push? Yeah, I think it's time. Uh, Matt Breida was absolutely... Sensational last week. Yeah, I think he was the FedEx ground player of the week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's the NFL leading rusher in two weeks. Um, his vision, his burst, uh, his 
speed once he hit that second gear is uh, phenomenal. Um, the question is, can he be the featured back for an entire season? Uh, obviously, last season it was Carlos Hyde, and then it was Matt Bria towards the end of the season. And obviously, we're only two weeks into this year. The question is, can he take on that load in a Kyle Shanahan system for 16, 17 weeks? Uh, typically, Shanahan is featured a dual running back system. He's always had, you know, Kevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman in Atlanta. Uh, he likes to balance a couple guys. And so I like the Brita, the Brita McKinnon combination more than I do the Brita Morris combination. But hmm. injuries are injuries. And so um, Brita Morris it is. This might be the unpopular opinion, but I think that in the not too distant future, and maybe you maybe you can agree or disagree with me on this. What about uh, Raheem? M- I don't know how to, Moster Moster. When are we going to see that guy? I, he he had a great preseason, didn't he? He did. Yeah, he definitely showed showed some flashes. Uh, I think he's always going to be on the roster because of what he does on special teams. I don't know if he's on the clip, but he. On one of these punt returns last week, he absolutely blew up the Lions' return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's spectacular in that aspect of the game, uh, and he's one of those guys in the preseason that always shines against like second or third string defensive players. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be that guy to, to be a featured backup running back uh, for the Niners moving forward. I think I think he's set in his role as the third string running back and more core special teams player. Thanks. Um, Uh, Yeah, yeah, thanks, Akash, for joining me today, man. This was a lot of fun. I'm happy that you agreed with me on most things. I got got one more (laughs) here. I got one more here for you. Um, How how happy were you to see uh, Frank Gore pass Curtis Martin and move his way into fourth all-time rushers in in NFL history? Um, Me, as a 49ers fan, man, I, I, I got that Frank Gore jersey still, and he still has a place in my heart. Yeah, it was a little bittersweet because uh, he obviously uh, is achieving great things still at this age. Uh, it's sad that he's not doing that in a 49ers jersey. Uh, I saw a little thing on Twitter that uh, Frank Gore's jersey from last week is being placed in the Canton. Mm-hmm. It's sad that it's a Dolphins jersey, not a 49ers jersey. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. It's great, great to see him uh, still do what he's doing on the field. Uh Class act across the board and uh, have it more. He's an Iron Man. <laughs> he truly is. He truly is. Thanks, Akash. Appreciate it, man. Hey, yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. That was Akash Anavarathan from SB Nation. Uh, shout out to that dude, man. Um, always fun talking with fellow 49ers fans. I feel like I don't get to do that too often considering I'm. Uh, a thousand miles away from San Francisco, so yeah, and he agreed with most of my opinions, so that that was a fun one for me. Um, so here's something I was going to close this out by telling a funny story, but um, I had this podcast all finished and ready to submit, and I think that um, you know God came stepping down and he saved me from getting in a lot of trouble online because both my mom and my dad called me and they were asking me if I was okay and if I survived the tornado um, because they saw something on Facebook where people are checking in to make sure they're safe and yeah I don't know I was 
I, I, I downplayed it, um, and I was just saying how stupid uh, it was that people were checking in, but you know what? Um, I've since checked online, and um, yeah, there's a lot of devastation, I guess, uh, from that tornado, so um, hopefully everybody is all right, um, I'm safe, and uh, yeah, Anyways, guys, that's that's all for me today. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Um, wherever you may be tuning in, uh, I've got a lot more options now. Um, I'm on about 10, 10 different platforms, and um, you can find my podcast on any one of those feeds. And uh, So, yeah, I'll, I'll post all of those and add it to the description of this podcast. Thanks, guys, and have yourself a great Saturday. Peace.